All aboard the gravy train! Are you riding your financial planner or broker's gravy train? Your financial prospectus outlines how brokers are allowed to charge you hidden fees. Next stop, hidden fees! Want to take back control of your retirement income? Just get off at the next stop. And tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. Welcome to the show. My name is Eric Halvey. Appreciate you being here. Joining the joining the party, joining the uh, place to learn about your, well, let's say, your family's finances. Look, there are so many changes. It's almost a bit overwhelming. I mean, put yourself in our position here on AM870, The Answer. Our job is to kind of communicate to you what we think is important, just like ABC News, CBS, NBC. They filter the news. Walter Cronkite filtered the news. Right? So my job is to kind of filter and see what's important. We do that by a few different ways. I mean, there's a, a couple of levels that we go through. Number one is, what are my clients saying? What are you guys saying, talking about, uh, concerned about over the last couple of weeks? What is impacting you, your retirement, your future? What is impacting the decisions that you make when it comes to planning for retirement, wanting to retire? And more importantly, I, we almost should change the the title, I guess, from retiring to changing careers to do what you want to do, uh, reducing your required workload. I, I don't know. We got to think of a new Latin term because Latin is cool. So if you think of something that's Latin, you automatically sound smart. So we're going to think of a new Latin Latin term that is the change in your financial life going from a job and a career that you probably didn't like, at least not towards the end because most people don't. Some of you are blessed to enjoy the same career, the same job your whole life. Great. But many people say, well, you know, the boss has changed. Oh, the workload has changed. Oh, it used to be a great place to work before they got sold out and, they, you know, they got bought out and, and were sold to this company or, right? So I understand there's these changes that are happening in your life and you're going to make financial decisions based on it. So our goal is to find that data to, to kind of screen through it all. So today... I have some information for you that I think is going to make a big difference because a lot of you have started activating your social security sometimes a little earlier than you should have. Some are actually going in through the disability range, right? You guys are 60 years old, 58 years old, 55, and you're choosing social security disability 
as the way that you want to not work anymore. Now, I want to be cautious when I share this with you because Social Security is going to make it easier for those with severe disabilities. The agency announced 12 compassionate allowances conditions that will receive a quick decision. Here's what that means. It gives you an answer right away, provided that you have one of these diseases. Now, you might say, great, but you you have to understand these are pretty bad diseases. These are not things that you want for a free government check. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I want you to know they're making it a little easier to file for a disability claim. Generally, how it works in the state of California is this. Your first year of disability is based in the state of California's rules. So in other words, the state of California, usually your payout is higher than Social Security because the disability is a function of your income and California has a higher general income than, let's say, Arkansas. So your first year of disability is going to be based on what's called state rate. We have all sorts of terms for it, but basically it's the state of California. 12, 12 months in one day, you revert over to the disability for the federal government. Now, if you didn't start applying for that federal government disability, the Social Security disability early, when I say early, let's say nine months in, right? give them three months, maybe four, before you can expect a decision from them. And then usually it's the first denial. Then you got to send it back and you got to go back and you have to come forward and you got to go to another doctor and it's a pain in the tush. They don't make it easy because so many of you take advantage of this. I know, I love you, you're nice people, but some of you take advantage of this disability thing and you know who you are. And so we'll get to that in just a second, as I mentioned, because I, I want to get into these diseases. So I want I reviewed these diseases and I wanted to kind of go over that with you, but Frankly, look, I, I don't understand these words, <laughs> so I'm going to give you a few that I know. T-cell lymphoma, okay, that's that's pretty big. NUT carcinoma, okay, that's a big one. Posterior, posterior cortical atrophy, okay, and nine others, because I don't understand these things. So send me an email at arif at tfswealth.com. I'll send you the link. It's the 12 new diseases. Uh, I'm, I would destroy these words. You know what they are. If, if it's you, you'll know it. You'll say, oh, that's my disease. If you're looking to reduce your monthly expenses, you could see an option to turn on this social security disability. But my concern is this. You still need to have a purpose. They, social security disability addresses the financial needs. And if it's enough for you to live... Then, then great, then you're fine. But if you're 55 or 62 years old and this is it, and you now have handcuffs on you working for the rest of your life because you can't make more than a certain amount each month without Social Security starting to pull the disability check back, so then what do you end up with? Sitting around being, what, a pet? I mean, I love you guys, but you're not a pet. You, you have to produce, you have to work. And maybe it's not for a job outside. But maybe it's for your spouse or your kids to still look at you with honor. Right? I'm, I'm preaching this to you as a guy who, who was injured at 30 years old. Three back surgeries, three knee surgeries, and 25 small procedures. I didn't go through this 
at a period of time when I was, okay, well, I'll just turn on Social Security Disability. I had a chance to do that, but guess what? It would have been peanuts. After a big car accident, and in the middle of all those injuries, by the way, because you know the surgeries don't happen all in one day. It's, it's over the course of months, maybe even a year or two. Right? I got scammed. And the son of a guns, although I was an investor and a trader for years, these son of a guns took nearly all my money. Okay, so now my pride is hurt. Now my bank account is hurt. And now I look at my wife and my family and I say, do you guys look at me the same? Right? And when you walk into a room, everybody asks, how's your back? Oh, good to see you. How's your back? They're trying to be kind. They are kind. But do you really want to be that person? Oh, I got social security disability. I showed them. Yeah, but now you're a prisoner. Now, listen, these 12 diseases for social security to acquiesce and to just come and say, you're right, we're with you. You get a quick decision. Here's the yes answer, right? Pfeiffer syndrome types two and three. Whatever it is, sounds kind of bad. So I feel really sad for you and I understand but you, you have to have a reason to still wake up in the morning. You have to have a reason for your spouse, your kids to look at you with honor. I know it hurts. I used to crawl around the house. Right, My wife would have to hide the kids so I could walk around the house with a walker or, or crawling around the house so they didn't see daddy all injured. I understand. And you have acute physical needs that have to be met. Surgeries, braces, I get it. But please don't forget about your purpose. God created you on this earth. What do you want to live another 25 years as the guy who's just the injury? That's how you're known? Or the lady with the thing? And you get a free check from the government? So you, right? My, my point is the goal is for you to get better to eventually dump that. My goal for you is to get wiser financially so you can become somebody who contributes to society and not take from society. Well, if I worked my whole life, you don't understand. Everybody works their whole life, right? Even if you're Elon Musk, the guy's still working and he's a billionaire. Donald Trump's still working and he's a billionaire. You, you really think what? What you're supposed to and I'm done. 65 in six minutes and I'm done. Sit around and what? Wait to die? Put a grandkid on your knee and bounce him for three minutes and then that's it? So I want you to have purpose in life, guys. It's very important, right? Maybe you become these outspoken people. If you were somebody like me that figured out the masks were a really dumb idea early on, right? Because nobody wore them properly. Nobody took them and, and put them in the trash, the red trash cans. Nobody uh, changed them when they were around different people. They all put them on their review mirror or their gear shift or their purse or their pocket. So you're telling me the virus is on this side of the mask or that side? You guys can go back three years. My shows have always been about this. And boy, have I received flack. Boy, have I had some talking to's. And I go, listen, I have 42 clients, friends, neighbors that are doctors, nurse practitioners, respiratory therapists. Most of them are physicians. And I've asked them. Six of them said you should wear a mask out of 42. Now, listen, if you want to wear a rabbit's foot or a scarf around your your shoulder, right? Uh, you want to wear uh, uh, pink, your, your lucky socks, your, your green tie. Uh, you can do whatever you want. But don't make me play along with your dysfunction. 
don't don't make me play along with your your game of uh, of psychological issues because you drive around in a car listen uh, when i was a policeman here's what used to happen it was uh, it was almost comical almost you could you could take it and and uh, set your watch to it we'd stop somebody a very nice law-abiding citizen whatever let's say grandma looking lady and we'd stop her for for speeding let's say and she'd say officer why are you stopping me for speeding there are people over there that are dealing drugs and you go okay right yeah Spend your time on that. So we go over and we stop the lady or the man who are dealing drugs. And they say, why are you stopping me? These are people that just want to buy drugs. You should go stop those people that are robbing people. Okay, great. Now, then you arrest a robber and he says, listen, I'm just taking what's mine. You need to stop those murderers. No joke. These people would say that. You, you got to stop these. They're murdering people. They're killing people. Those are the bad guys. So you go stop the murderer, and he says, listen, uh, th- this guy deserved to die. He was a rival gang member, right? I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but they would say things like, listen, he hurt me. He called me this, hurt my family, stole from me. So he deserved to die. Why didn't you stop those child molesters? And everybody thought somebody else was worse than the other. Today, with you guys wearing a mask, you go, hey, listen, at least I'm not riding by myself in a car with a mask. And that guy says, well, I'm not walking down the street, you know, by myself with the mask. And then there's the person, you know, (laughs) that wears the mask on the plane and then touches stuff and then puts it back on their mask. Come on. Especially that young generation. You guys, listen, I I get it. You walk into a surgery room and you don't want to spit in an open wound. Of course, you're supposed to wear a mask. But it's a negative pressure room, meaning they, they suck the air out. Everything is sanitized. The person doesn't even put on their own mask, but a a sterilized nurse puts it on as far as the physician goes. It's nothing that you do. All right. So my point is there's this psychosis that's going on and you guys are still part of it. So you're retired. And even if you're disabled or even if you really honestly can't work and a lot of us were there at different times and we wanted to get better, then you got to stand for something. This moment in time, maybe standing for something financially because of the, the, the kicking out of people from jobs, right? The military, police, nurses, teachers. Why don't you talk about their personal habits? You're worried about their vaccine. Why don't you talk about some of the, the kinkiest people we used to arrest? No joke. Nothing with children that I, I can recall. But they were educators. Listen, you know, it might have been 1%, but uh, right, police deal with the bad guys, so it doesn't matter the percentage. It's just the way it goes. But my point with you guys is to understand. You want to you wanna stop somebody from, from hurting somebody else? Well, look at, you know, what, look at the rest of their life, their personal life, right? The way they drink on, on the weekends, the alcohol. We used to have a, an educator who had a, a bar uh, at a bar had a um a bra that was filled with like a flask a flask bra didn't even know those things existed and she'd fill it up and one day one of the the kids saw it and told her parents that you know i see her kind of drinking from a straw when she's sitting at her desk she goes what do you mean well come to find out this educator was stoned most of the time and would just drink 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 my point is what do you want to fire people for for not wearing a mask or for not choosing a vaccine. You want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. I don't want to hear about the rest of your personal or your medical life. 
Not my, not my concern. Maybe that's the place that you stand. Maybe that's the purpose you have. Maybe you're the one that runs for school board. You can do that. Maybe you're the one that runs for the water board and keeps some of these wonky weirdos out of there. Right? We can solve the water crisis. We can solve the education crisis if we have common sense people. And I don't want you to think because you are no longer able to physically work that, that you can't stand up for what's right. Your voice isn't important. Your decisions, your, your common sense, it's not needed. It is. Just don't sit in a rocking chair and wait to die. Right? You have years left on this planet. There's plenty of people who had that time stolen from them. Don't waste yours. All right, guys, got another thing for you. Switching gears on this this um, student loan debacle, right? Oh my word! Here, let me let me bring it up here. The Department of Education announces canceling three point nine billion in student loan debt for ITT, Tech, DeVry, and other borrowers. All right, let me remind you on this. ITT Tech was a great idea, in fact. Right, It was a technical school, technical college. Great idea. Crooks from the top down. It was a publicly traded company, in fact. And it had countless 208,000 borrowers. Students. No longer have to repay it because basically it was... Uh, Let's see. It's time for student borrowers to stop shouldering the burden from ITT's years of lies and false promises. That's from the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona. The evidence shows that for years, ITT's leaders intentionally misled students about the quality of their programs in order to profit off of federal student loan programs with no regard for the hardship this would cause. All right. That's the end quote here. I want you to know a couple of things here. I had a client who uh, worked, sorry, yeah, who worked for his brother's muffler shop. Said, I want to be a computer guy because everybody says, you're the smart one. You go work, uh, go to ITT Tech, go get a computer degree. So the kid borrows $10,000. That's what it was back then. And he works in the afternoons at his brother's mechanic shop, putting in mufflers. And he goes to ITT computer school. So he goes there for the first semester or so he likes it after that he starts to not like it so he didn't even complete the first year and he said this just isn't for me i'm out i'm gonna i want to install mufflers i really like that i like being a mechanic i like that kind of work i don't want to be a computer person and itt said tough luck you have to pay all the money he said but i only went to one semester they said you got to pay for all of it that's the kind of scams that's the kind of frauds that i would warn people away from when they were considering to attend some of these schools, I said, listen, what if you don't like it? Can you get your money back or can you stop? Okay, great. I, I used, right? You wouldn't say I'm going to order food at a restaurant and then only eat half and then say, I know I ordered still some more food, but just cancel that order. Tell the kitchen not to make it. Whether it's the dessert or, or the, the next portion of the meal. You said, no, no, I ate this. I'll pay for this. I got it. But I'm too full. I didn't. I didn't finish it, so I don't want any more. If you can catch it in time, the kitchen's not going to make the food, or they'll give it to somebody else, right? So, ITT and DeVry and other colleges 
had a big concern because what they did is they went out and took advantage, but no different than Harvard, than Yale, than Cal State, UC. No different. Oh, yes, they could air because they didn't have to pay it back. No, no, no. Ready for this? They were selling junk. They were giving you degrees in which you had no chance of making any money back. And because the government under President Obama took over the student loan business and then the IRS became the enforcement division to make sure you actually paid it back, paid the loan back. So who was on the hook? Nobody except the borrower, the least educated, both in the, in the area in which they wanted to get their degree and in financial business and matters. The least educated, an 18, 19, 20-year-old. They had no clue about how money works, compound interest, debt, on and on. Nothing. And yet they were required to sign their name to something that physically imp uh, imprisoned them. Now, if we went back to the 70s and the 80s, totally feel sorry for those kids. But guys, these kids had a Google. They had a, a, a Yahoo device. Yeah, yeah. They could research all this stuff. It didn't take very long to, to get a free business calculator or plug it into your fancy laptop or iPad or, or tablet. You could find out that was a dumb idea. All of us knew it. So I don't have any sympathy for kids or anybody getting student loans in the last 20, 25 years. None. Zero. Should they have known better? Yeah, they, they had it in their pocket. You guys could have gone on. You could have known nobody wanted to hire you except another college for a degree in African-American female studies of architecture in the 20th century. Well, who cares? I mean, that's wonderful if you want to do it as a hobby. I love a lot of that stuff on, on my avocation on the side. But I'm not going to borrow money to learn about some gender studies program. I'm not going to borrow money for some nuanced, pigeonholed, tiny little degree that meant nothing. My solution is very simple, guys. Ready for this? I think everybody has to go to a community college. And I think the Cal States need to bifurcate their systems and become a community college with community college expenses, paying the professors, not not College of the Canyons in Santa Clarita, by the way, just so you know. The chairman, or, or I guess she calls herself a chancellor, makes more money than just about any other university professor. In fact, I think they just gave her a pay raise. We feel so... Feel so how do you live on $35,000 a month? I don't know how you do it. So I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about something very simple. Everybody needs to get a two-year education in the general ed for the least cost possible. And the only thing that, quote, a four-year university should do is be teaching the last two years. That's it. You take the expenses of education and you bring it down to nearly nothing. Right? The amount of money that these administrators... In fact, when I used to go down to Westwood, right? Some of you used to do that when you were kids. You walk around Westwood when I was 16, 17, 18. I remember seeing construction at UCLA. And then five years later, 10 years later, I was a Los Angeles policeman. Guess what? In West LA, and they were still doing construction. 
And then a few years later, 10 years later, one of my kids needed uh, to be there pretty often. So we were there nearly weekly for a long time and they were still doing construction. And then a few years later, another one of my children had to have some needs there, uh, medically speaking, and some more construction. In fact, all of the time I've ever driven by UCLA, it's never not had something under construction. Where are they getting that money from? I, I, I get, I don't know. Are they replacing the buildings that I saw them build when I was 16 years old, 40 years ago? W- were you building those? It's time to replace those. Oh, I see. I get it. So explain to me why a t- four-year university has any business teaching the first two years. Because a professor does not teach it. When I was at UCLA, I, I had to take a uh, one of my general eds, even though I went to Pierce College, I had to take a, retake a, a, like a class that they wouldn't accept. So I'm sitting in this auditorium room at UCLA, and guess what I see there? <laughs> Ready for this? A PhD student, not much older than me, teaching in this auditorium where I'm thinking Fiddler on the Roof is about to play. I thought, what the heck? Where's the professor? We're paying big money for this. It's not even the real professors that teach the undergrad classes. So my point is, you want to say, listen, here's the new deal in education. We're going to pay for two years. That's it. Period. Nobody ever pays more than two years. You want to go? That's fine. You can go. Oh, wait, you're 60 years old and you retired early and you want to go to the community college and take a welding class? Do it. You want to go to the community college and learn how to do QuickBooks because you want to manage your business better? Go do it. You want to go to the community college and learn first aid? Or you just want to study the classics because it's interesting to you? Fantastic. Do it. But there's no reason in the world that a Stanford or a Yale or Cal State Northridge or Cal State LA or UCLA or UC Riverside, no reason in the world they should be teaching the first two years of school and you paying top dollar for a substandard education. None. Zero. Except guess what they did? They put us, you and me on the hook for it. Because I had to work to pay for my school. Yeah. I had to work. Sorry. Hey, how about that? Well, tough luck. We come back. I'm going to get you some more details. I think this is going to change your life. Yep. Inflation is here. How do we handle it? Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with me. Lost you there for a second. We were trying to, to finish up. Sometimes, sometimes we get a little bit passionate about this. Listen, I think there is a solution for it. You have to remove the lobbies. That's right. The lobbyist. The folks that are trying to get more money for education to pay for people to sit around and do what? I, I don't know. I think their goal is to do the same thing that any other union, any other job does, which is to preserve their jobs, to get more benefits, instead of thinking of the greater good. Let's keep the host alive because we're the parasite in the system. You you have to be careful with that. So here's what's happening. Ford decides to lay off 3,000 employees to cut costs for, quote, the EV transmission, uh, transition rather, right? The electric vehicle transition, Ford says 3,000 employees, yay, yay for climate change and all this other baloney. 
and we're going to lay off 3,000 people. Now ask yourself this very important question. If Ford is going to lay off 3,000 people, how many folks does that actually impact? Right? Because they have spouses, some of them, families, some of them, but they all spend their money somewhere. They all go to the grocery store, the, the barber shop, they, they go to the liquor store, the, the dry cleaner. They go places and spend money, which will no longer receive those extra things simply because why? Well, sorry, no job. So this transition, this whole idea of going green, I think is going to start impacting small businesses across the board. Believe it or not, that's a help for inflation. I know I don't want to be that guy, but it is. It's a help for inflation because what it does is simple. It gives that individual, they will have less money and they will now create an opportunity to be somebody who's going to actually just be on government assistance and it starts to pull money out of circulation. And that money that's coming out of circulation, that's a problem for a lot of folks. And one of the big folks is uh, one of the big uh, people in this transition, believe it or not, are going to be our seniors. Because explain to me something. If you're a senior and you are the only one still holding money, are you going to actually have more benefits or less? I think you're going to have more. I think as a senior with somebody who has, or retiree, somebody with a regular consistent set of income, as this inflation, you're going to sit back. You're going to say, well, we can't drive as much. We can't travel as much. The cost for things are higher. But this is going to be a boomerang effect. It's like a snapping a rubber band. Because by the end of the year, we're going to have 8% mortgages. Maybe more. 8% loans. Not 2.85 like some of you got. Now, how do I know that? Well, it's very simple. The mortgage rates are going to have to keep up with inflation. So as inflation continues to go, so does those mortgage rates. It's the only thing that the Fed can do. The Fed has to get there as fast as possible. The faster they get there, the sooner we can recover and go the other direction. Oh, but by the way, that's going to hurt a lot more people a lot faster. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And you're going to see layoffs across the country from different organizations, not just auto manufacturers, but you are going to see that. Right, California comes uh, comes out and says, uh, "Oh, by the way, no lo- no more are we going to accept gas vehicles." Well, I don't think that's going to last very long. I think we're going to get rid of that idea very quickly, especially because we have the fuel in this nation for five hundred years. Do you do you know that we have enough energy? If we were caring about oh, I don't know, energy independence, all you do is take natural gas. Uh, convert vehicles into natural gas. Yeah, you have to work on their efficiency and and you know triple hold uh, gas tanks so they don't blow up and okay, but there are natural gas buses that drive around. Natural gas vehicles from the gas company, I see them around. And when I asked one once, I said, "So tell me about it. What's the, what's the biggest drawback?" He says it just doesn't go as far. I get about 150 miles per the tank. So it needs to either be more efficient, he says, or I have to have a larger tank. Okay, well, you guys put our brilliant minds on it. Because now that Tesla has laid off 200 workers and closed its San Mateo, California office in June, oh, surprise, Rivian, pretty cool looking truck, by the way, 6% of its workforce just laid off. And you heard me say this before. You're going to start seeing, because of the way that the the Democrats created this 
economic craziness. You're going to see labor disputes across the board. You're going to see people getting in trouble because uh, of, of union disputes. And they're going to be lawsuits and on and on. We are entering a time in which employees are going to be very unsatisfied. And that's a challenge, right? That's a big challenge. Why? Because uh, teachers are going to go on strike. Police officers are going to have blue flu. Uh, water and power folks are going to have challenges, but so do other companies, right? Uh, who has just laid off uh, employees or stopped hiring altogether? Facebook, Twitter, Netflix, Spotify, Oracle, Walmart, and others. Those are organizations that are laying off people or they're stopping their hiring. Remember just three months ago, they couldn't find enough people. So, there is a challenge, depends on where you live. So what I want you to do is take a look at a map in the United States and you look and see where there are conservative governors, Republicans, red. Right now in history, they are the ones that are fiscally sound, where employers, where businesses are flocking to them, right? The Texas, the Nevada even though there may not be conservative governors in some places, they have a conservative uh, fiscal environment. Look at Idaho and Utah and Tennessee. Look at Florida. I, I don't know how you, how you can be a Democrat and think that the ideas are good when you see people fleeing California and the ideas of taxing everything that moves and even things that don't move. Right? So, so ask yourself, Maybe you should just check yourself for a minute and go, okay, listen, the, the Democrat of old, the John Kennedy Democrat, that doesn't exist anymore. So how do I manage this and create my life so I'm not running around, you know, being somebody who is, uh, I don't know, dishonest to your own beliefs. Here's something else that's happening. I think this is pretty interesting, but let me give you our phone number one more time. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. By the way, at the top of the hour, I have uh, two emails for us today. Wait till you hear them. I think one of them you're going to relate to because they both are so different. And we have seen an influx of people relating to these ideas. So I'm, I'm going to share with you a couple of emails that I received, both of them in the last, I want to say the last two weeks. Okay. Continuing with high inflation, half of US adults are holding on to ready for this. Unused gift cards, vouchers, store credit. I want you to use them. I want you to go to those restaurants. I want you to go to those shops. Because the gift cards do not grow in value. So if it's a $100 gift card and inflation is running at 8 or 10% a year, maybe more, it's now a 75 or 80 or $85 gift card. Especially if you've had it the last two or three years. So ask yourself this. Look, uh, many of you, I know one of my kids had, had a, a stack of, of gift cards because as, an, as a company, what we used to do in, uh, during our Christmas and our holiday parties is we would give away gift cards. We'd do like a, a uh, almost like a game show thing. Do you want the gift card, the one in my hand or, or the one here that's $50 for Best Buy? Or do you want this mystery one in the envelope? It could be $10 Starbucks. It could be you know $20 Bed Bath & Beyond, whatever. And a lot of the, the stores count on a certain percentage of these gift cards never being uh, redeemed, never. 
So they know that. It's part of the way that stores will do business. That's why Costco takes 2 or 3 or 4% or Sam's Club when you go into these stores and you buy them Kroger, right, Albertsons. You buy the gift cards for $50. The store actually gets a piece of that. They make a profit on selling it, 3%, 5%. Because the, the business knows that if you walk in the next day and, and redeem it, they lost money. But they also know that some of you are never going to redeem those. So it's worth it to collect the cash. Right? It's simple. Half of U.S. adults are hanging on to free money from unused gift cards or vouchers. Each of these individuals, ready? Are they an average of $175? And that's up from $116 just in 2021. So here's my concern. I think you're going to have to plan for this yourself. I think you're going to have to protect yourself. I think you have to keep tracking when you go to banks and you make deposits in your savings or you buy a CD because ready for this, you can negotiate CD rates. Yes. Today you can walk in and negotiate. So it's a 2%. I want 2.25. Every bank, every credit union has room to negotiate. They're not going to tell you that, but you can negotiate CD rates. So you're going to make a few dollars there. You're going to make a few dollars using fixed annuities. I like those because you don't have to pay taxes on the interest. So if it's money that you're not going to need, we have accounts that will get you 3 4%. Now, maybe next year you'll need ten a little bit of it. Fine, take out some. But my point is, you're going to have to nickel and dime your way out of this inflation mess. Use the gift cards when you can. Negotiate higher rates at, at CDs. If you take this and you walk across this world, it's somewhere right around $21 billion, $21 billion in gift cards that have yet to be redeemed. Okay, that's a lot of money, guys. Maybe you can buy them from your kids, buy them from your neighbors. Oh, I'm never going to go to that store or eat at that restaurant. No problem. I'll give you half for it. Cash money right now. Oh, okay, great. So there's a process that that you're going to have to be involved in. It's now a bit more active, right? You used to go around and just shut off the lights or the air conditioning in your house. What are we made of? We're made of money? What are you born in a barn? Remember those ideas? So how do we protect a little bit of that? We're going to nickel and dime it. I also want you to think about this. When it comes to inflation and some of the other things that that are happening, go through your the, the, the auto charges on your uh, bank account or your credit cards. Nine ninety five a month, two ninety five a month. What scammers do, and I interviewed one uh, once a few years ago. What they'll do is they'll bill something like two ninety nine a month. One, so you don't see it, you don't miss it. Two, you think that it's probably something worth something. So why cancel it? Because I'm probably going to use it, and you don't even know what it is. But what these crooks do is they'll bill two ninety nine or dollar ninety nine a month, whatever it might be. So it seems legitimate, and they do it across hundreds and thousands of forged credit cards. And these are people sitting, this is an organized crime. I mean, this is huge. They're sitting in these uh, internet cafes in Africa, in Asia, Central America, even in the United States. So it's not just limited to one particular area. So watch those things very carefully. Go through all of your credit cards. In fact, it's worth it for you 
to every so often cancel a credit card and get a new one, meaning ask for a new one, a new account number, etc. Right? When you lose your card or like me, I left it at a restaurant the other day, so they had to cancel it and send me another one. It's worth it for you to cycle through that. Maybe once a year, a couple of times, you know, a year, whatever it might be, and almost get a fresh start so that if there's somebody scamming you, you have a tracking system on it. All right, very important you realize this. Most of you are not going to use those gift cards. There are exchange programs on the net where you can sell them. And frankly, guys, that you can buy them. Right? If I have a $100 gift card, I'm going to put it on the, the web. I can sell it maybe for $60. And you come along and buy it for 80 And the host of the website, the trading website for credit cards, or sorry, for, uh, for debit cards that are, are gift cards, simple. They make 20 bucks. And you have a profit when you go and use it at the restaurant or the store. It's a great service because some people are never going to go to that restaurant or that store, right? I refuse to go to Starbucks. It's just my thing. Just, you know, I don't know. You can go wherever you want. It's not my thing. All right. I want to share something with you. I had a, a quick email, uh, real time from Kelly, and I want to share something with you. She, she had asked a quick question, uh, simply about the comments on, uh, my, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, admission. Pretty important you think about this. Remember where the FBI came in and pushed him with a wink and a nod? All right. Nearly 11 years in law enforcement. I can tell you what we used to do, how it works. It's very simple. When the FBI or when, in my case, LAPD shows up, whether we're in uniform or suits and ties with a badge on our belt, we know that there's an intimidation factor. We know you are scared. They know that. They know when you have FBI agents sit down, hi, I'm a special agent in charge. And they sit down with you, with your leadership team that are 32-year-old kids that are scared to death, right? Because they make 400000 a year doing nothing. They don't want to lose it. They don't want to get in trouble. I think Mark Zuckerberg did this on purpose because he knows stuff is coming down, as they say, is going to hit the fan. He knows it's going to happen. The more he can drip out some of these ideas, because the Hunter Biden laptop and Ashley's diary indicate President Biden is at the very least creepy and is at the very least somebody you would never let around your children alone. You understand that, right? Whether it's Hunter Biden Joe Biden, Ashley was very clear in her diary about the creepy stuff that would happen. She left it behind, and yet somebody got in trouble for, quote, stealing it. They didn't steal it. She left it behind on purpose, right? Because she never asked for it back. It was too late. It was gone. So I think it's very simple. I think it's the FBI is now, we're, we're pretty clear they're the bad guys in the story. What they did without coming out straightforward and admitting that they knew that the Russia hoax was a hoax. They knew it. They knew it right from the get-go. Very simple. When James Comey knew that Michael Flynn did nothing wrong. But Michael Flynn was... See, the interesting part, you have to ask yourself, why did they do this? It sounds so dumb. Why would they get so aggressive? Well, it's very simple. Flynn had a very serious job to do, and that was to disassemble, disassemble this 
cabal of three-letter agencies that have a complete disregard for who you are as a voter. Complete disregard. It's not their thing. They don't care. They don't care who, who's the president. They still do their thing. The 30, 25, 30, 35, 40 year people in the agencies, they have a system. They have a game they play. Who's at the top is temporary. At the very least, it's four years. At the very most, it's eight. Remember, I said 30, 35 year career. These guys have come and gone, presidents. So what do we do when the FBI raids Mar-a-Lago? You understand that is a civil issue. The, 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 the boxes President Trump had, this is important, the boxes President Trump had were for his library. It isn't to any difference at all from, from President Obama taking certain things that he wanted. You see, because when a president or, or any member of his executive team receives a gift, right? They go to Saudi Arabia. Here's a uh, vase uh, from, uh, you know, artist X. Uh, here's a gift. Here's a plaque. Here's a handmade uh, blanket, whatever it is, from any place in the world. And it's given to the president. It's considered to be given to the country and not to him personally. Except he can take it back. A third-party governmental agency has a a value, $2,000, on that item. So the president has a choice. When I leave office, I want to buy that item for $2,000. And the president can do that. So send me the check. So he pays $2,000. That item he or she can, can take personally. So with most executive members, they have that provision. But they have to pay. Well... When it comes to documents, the president is the one that classifies or declassifies. The FBI does not have the right to raid their boss's office just because. And when you have an entire partisan team, look, we all say this. It isn't Biden. I told you I I have people I know in the White House, he walks in nearly every day and goes where? Towards the vice president's office. He'll ask about, oh, Mary, how's uh, Susie's uh, dance recital? Uh, Fine, Mr. President. Well, Susie's now 28 with, with two children, but when he was vice president, she had a dance recital, right? In other words, his mind is back to that time. He hasn't advanced these last four or eight years. He, he's, he's still there. He thinks he's vice president, right? I don't think here, you can mark my words. This is always recorded. We have this forever. Simple. One year from today, next summer, I don't think president Biden will be president. I think two years and 10 minutes will have passed. So Kamala Harris will get the rest of his term. Plus she'll get two more chances to be president for another four years. So she'll receive 10 years as a president. And if they continue to play what 2000 mules, the movie by Dinesh D'Souza outlines, which is they're going to be uh, tricking the system a little or a lot. I don't know enough to impact it. Probably right. Look at house of cards. It's legitimately scary how accurate it, it can be. You just have to flip a few counties There's for sure going to be some that vote here, for sure going to be vote 
there. And there's just a couple in the middle states that have a couple counties that can flip either way. When the FBI comes in and can manipulate that, you guys, this is a very scary time. Very scary time. Why do you think they want your guns? They think everybody's a white supremacist. I told you early on when they were calling everybody a racist, racist, racist. I go, eventually that word is going to be nothing because you call everybody it. And even those that are far left, they know that it starts to lose its value. Panache. It's, it, it's sting. So what do they do? Oh, now it's white supremacists. And you have a few, you know, kooky uh, folks that are, are the far right, you know, Heil Hitler and, and swastika people. Of course they're out there. There's always weirdos. I'll tell you what, you want, you want fairness. You show me the same black power, uh, black supremacist, uh, separatist groups, the Farrakhan's, that group. For every time you talk about a white supremacist, you talk about a black separatist, black uh, supremacist. You talk about the rules. Ready for this? Ooh, this is fun. Where Harvard doesn't allow white people to go to the graduation for black students. Can can you imagine for a minute how that is okay? I, I mean, I can't. I, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it's okay. Where universities, quote, woke universities, are now not allowing white people in certain dormitories. Why aren't people rioting? Right? Where the dogs and the German shepherds and the hoses, right? They're chasing people down the street. Why why isn't that happening? Now it's the opposite, isn't it? It's the far left. It's the FBI. it's It's the university administrators. I think this is going to affect you financially because this upheaval is going to change the system. And where I think you need it is simple. I think you have to protect your money. I don't know what the market's going to do. Nobody does. But I do think something very important is going to happen. And that is your financial life is no longer going to be in the hands of these pensioners and these union people. Right, Cal Sturs, Cal uh, Cal Pers, they've been selling off office buildings now for quite some time. And as they're selling off these office buildings, what are they doing with them, with the money? Right? Pension funds are selling their office buildings at record numbers. Big investors unwind bets on office spaces and work environments. Because pension funds need money like people need money. Because who do you think pays your pension? Does it come from air? Of course not. It comes from real estate. It comes from the stock market. It comes from government bonds and on and on. So be careful. Protect yourself. Listen, let me give you my number. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. And I want you to also stay tuned. I've got two great emails coming up for you. Some very interesting ones. Uh, I think one of them will impact you more than the other. Let's see which one that is when we come back on the Total Financial Hour. 888 888- Nine nine seven three eight four seven. Our job is to get reliable retirement income, to get predictability in there, so that you know that it's coming. And but, believe it or not, ready for this, you can actually increase your income every year or so, as the market goes up. So you're protecting your wealth, your buying power, your lifestyle. TFS Financial Insurance Services. That's what I do. 
Stay tuned. Second hour. I'm Eric Halby on the Total Financial Hour. This is AM870, The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Eric Halaby, the Total Financial Hour. TFS Financial Insurance Services, they make this possible. I appreciate it. Uh, look, we're talking about your family's finances. It gets very interesting and exciting for a lot of ways because I want to bring you solutions uh, to your problems. You guys get to send me an email, arif at tfswealth.com, arif at tfs, stands for Total Financial Solutions, tfswealth.com. Okay, one of the things, as I was mentioning, is pensions are changing. They're sending, selling off their office buildings and, and some of their other real estate is because I think real estate is going to be making a change a little bit. And it isn't everywhere, and it isn't all the time. When people say, oh, Eric, should I sell everything in the stock market or should I buy everything in real estate? I always say it's always the best time to buy and the best time to sell anything because it just depends on where. And you need the right experts. If you have somebody that's involved in your life financially and they are the best at something, right? They're an expert in uh, residential single-family units. Well, great. Then I would take that person's advice. Learn from them. But the market is different in Boise, Idaho than it is in Franklin, Tennessee or Henderson, Nevada or Los Angeles, right? I mean, some places you should sell, some you should buy, some you should wait. I don't know that answer, but I do know this. When you are having to account on or expect a pension check to come from someplace, I want you to learn to live on a little bit less than that. Because some of the pensions, I think, especially the state and city and county, CalSTRS, right, teachers' pensions, government pensions, I, I don't know if they have the fun. They don't have the funds. I mean, we know that. But I don't know what their plan is if things go south, meaning they don't have the funds. If the stock market continues to drop, if real estate continues to drop, how do you plan on a plan B so that you can financially survive if you're counting on a pension check from them? So... We know that Social Security at, at the age, uh, or let's say 10 years from now, 2032, 2033, is going to run out of the ability to pay 100%. Right now, that's a fact. There's no question it's not a political thing. Right now, we know that at the in 10 years or so from now, Social Security is going to have about 70%, 65 to 70% of the funds. So it's not going to be, hey, Mary Sue in Denver just received the last check. It's not going to be that way. It will be... Oh, you expected $2,000 in a, in a social security check. You're going to receive 1400. That's, that's how it's going to break down is something like that. So I want you to be clear on that. If that's the case, how do you make sure you plan? You know, if you're going to be around that long when that happens to pensions, because pension systems are going to change as well. So here's what you do. You just build your financial life off of 70% of that. That means that you're looking at your, your portfolio, you're looking at your life and saying, how do I make sure that if my income drops by 25 or 30%, I can still live? Food, shelter, clothing. I can still pay my bills, still travel, still live. Okay, so that's kind of where I'm going with it. I'm happy that it's not going to change anytime soon and it might not for you, but companies are having problems and so are pension uh, systems across the country. So some of them are. So we just want to be prepared. Uh, 
the important part of this whole idea when it comes to real estate and some of you that are moving out of California is I want you to consider this for a minute. Builders are suffering right now. And when people were going to buy cash, they still are going to buy cash. No problem. Right? They sold their big house. They rented for a little longer, rented for longer. This has happened to a friend of ours. They were supposed to move in in June and then August, and now it's the middle of September. So they've had to keep renting and renting and renting, whether it was supply or, or labor issues, couldn't get people to come and work, build the house. Well, now it's supposed to be done in the next few weeks. We'll see if it is. It's just about ready, and they're going to move out of their rental and move into their home. But you understand they haven't bought it yet. You put down your deposit, your down payment, but it isn't their home yet until it's done. The city, the county gives a occupancy permit that says, and yes, this is a home safe enough for somebody to live in. And so then the bank does their transaction, escrow, and it's funded. Well, whatever the interest rate is on the date that that's done is what the interest rate is. So when our friend purchased the house back in January, she purchased the house and ask for all the upgrades based on what she could afford at the time, which is, I think she probably did it at 3%, 3.5%. Well, today, if you're going to finance that amount, you're going to pay a lot more. In fact, on a, on a standard $400,000 house, the difference is right around five or $600 a month. Well, that's huge because that means your income has to be about two or three times that. So that means that she's going to have to have an additional $1,500 a month in income each month in order to qualify for the same house that she qualified for back in January under the old rules. So that twelve dollars to $1,500 a month extra in income means she either has to sell off a car or get a second job or right get a pay raise or whatever it might be. There has to be another source of that income get a co-borrower, et cetera. Or what a lot of builders are doing is they're reducing the price of the house. And as other people come along and say, listen, I just can't afford it. I, I just won't get qualified. The bank is not going to give me the money. The builder is going to sit on that house because they need the funds from that house to do phase seven and phase eight. Well, now, sorry, nobody's buying phase five and six. So they're going to be left with a lot of half-built homes along the way. And I think when bankruptcy comes, if you're prepared, if you're patient, you just might be able to get a deal in that neighborhood or that community. Yes, you might have to do some work on your own. Maybe you have to even come in with cash. So borrow the money in a different way. But for a lot of you that have patience and you're willing to kind of look and do some investigations on your own, if you will, that's the case. All right, so keep that in mind. There's always opportunity. Bad days for some are great days for others. So you want to learn where's the opportunity, right? When COVID struck, there was a group of us that got together and we said, there's going to be amazing opportunity here. Let's see where it is. Let's see what that looks like. Because we knew that the lockdowns were unconstitutional. No question about that. You can't tell people in a capitalist system you can't work. You just can't do that. You're not essential. What? All of the government workers got paid. What do you mean? Health department, every state worker, every city county worker in the state of California still received a paycheck. You know that. So now you're telling me that I'm my business, the one who pays the taxes so that those people can get paid. Now I can't pay for my kids. I, I can't earn a living. You're crazy. 
So we all knew that was unconstitutional. Everybody's looking for a scapegoat. That's why Fauci's gone, because he knows he's going to be under the wire. He knows he's now been proven to be a liar. Right? Ron Paul, I don't always agree with Ron Paul, but man, was he spot on with this, because he's a physician. He understood, understood the terminology and what he was reading behind the scenes in the grants and the other uh, reports that the National Institute of Health were putting out. So, important you understand that. All right. I mentioned to you that I had a pretty interesting email. And this is one that I think is going to affect most of you. If you have a room full of five people, I'll bet three people could relate to this email. No question. Either today or in in their past or certainly in the next few years in their future. And here it is. It's from Robert and Claire. Dear Erif, we have saved our entire life to provide for our family. Both my wife and I have worked, but she has taken a lot of time off from time to time to raise our kids and handle the care for her mother. Okay, guys, pausing for a minute. That's the key, right? Caring for a parent. Continuing, our concern is how to manage our own health care in the future and our income. We are both in our late 50s and her mother is in her late 80s. She is still relatively healthy, but does have a few things going on with her memory. Here's my first concern. How secure is our own future income from Social Security for my wife, since she is going to care for her mother for as long as possible? I know my wife will stop earning Social Security credits when she's caring for her mother, but my other concern is how our own long-term health care needs can be met. We currently have a life insurance policy on my wife, And I was told that there are some different policies out there that may have health care benefits. It's called critical and chronic illness. But this current policy does not. We would love to hear your advice. All right, Robert and Claire, let me be clear on a couple of things. First of all, I think you're an angel for caring for your your mom. Uh, You might say, well, of course I would. Everybody does. But that is not the, the case. There are plenty of people who at the first sign of illness will find reasons and and excuses to put their parents in a home and, and let them be. I understand maybe in some cases that's a requirement, but I just think people use that as a scapegoat way too quickly, right? The reason you have parents still on this earth is to care for them as they are to care for you. And I want you to realize they're not pets or plants. They're interactive people. You talk to them. You, you ask them questions. You have lunch with them. You take them places. Now, there's going to be a point in time, Claire, when you can't do it. I, I get it. But if she's still pretty healthy and, and can get around in her 80s, I would keep her moving. Go for walks. Care for a pet. Something that allows her to still feel useful and alive. But that's, that's just a side note. Here's how we solve the financial issue. Start with the back uh, of the email first. Claire, you have a life insurance policy. If you're in your 50s, you can qualify as long as you're relatively healthy. You can qualify for a hybrid policy today and upgrade your current one to a life insurance policy that has what's called long-term care type benefits. Critical illness, chronic illness. We offer those. That's part of what we do to kind of protect that second source of income later on in life so that you didn't save your whole life and one spouse is healthy and one is sick and all of that money is drained out and it goes away in a very short period of time. We protect against that. And Claire, if you're still healthy, it sounds like you are, you didn't mention anything, 
I would upgrade the current life insurance policy you have to one that has these benefits. There's three or four really good companies out there. We would shop them both. Most, most guys would. But we would shop those, find a good one for you that matches those benefits, and see if we could uh, give you kind of a, a, at least some peace of mind that if you need the same kind of care for your mom, that there's a means financially to pay for that. Okay, that's important. Now, what about, Claire, your Social Security? Uh, Robert is very kind to worry about that for you, and I, I think that's a nice thing. But wives receive about half of their husband's income from Social Security for as long as she's alive, and he's alive. Now, you've heard me mention before, out of my client base, we've been tracking this in the last couple of years, when husband and wives both work, okay, they don't always both work, but when they do, the wife has earned more than the husband about 70% of the time. It's fascinating to me. For whatever reason, different choice of career or different educational background, whatever it might be. So this whole idea that women are paid less, well, probably if, if she's ta- staying home taking care of kids, they're not having to pay for a babysitter, but she's also not making money. But the way the social security system works is the spouse that earns the most will obviously have a higher social security check. But there's something called a spousal benefit. And briefly, here's what it, here's how it works. When the higher earner turns on their social security, 65, 66, 70, whatever it might be, the spouse is entitled to about between 45 and 50%. There's a little bit of a formula of that number. So Robert, let's say in your career, Based, you shared with me what you did for a living. I didn't want to share anybody uh, with anybody else because I don't want them to figure out who you might be. We do our best. But in your career, you had indicated you're going to stay till probably age 70. 70. Got it. I like it. We can, and I'm going to recommend, as long as you guys are making a living and paying your bills, that you don't start your Social Security until age 70. And then when you start yours, Claire gets her 50% of that number. And now both of you are alive. Both of you are making that money. Everything is great. But here's the key. Claire, if you have a social security check that you can start, if you've already qualified, you did your 40 quarters, which is 10 years, and you are eligible for both Medicare. I always want you to be eligible for Medicare. If your husband is, you are. But if you qualify on your own, I might have you start your social security a little bit earlier. 62, 63, 64. Let Robert continue to work till age 70. Then when he hits age 70, you get about half of his. Right? So your your Social Security check upgrades. All right. Now I'm going to make up numbers. Let's say Robert's Social Security check is going to be $3,000 a month at age 70. That means he receives $3,000. Claire, you receive about $1,500. So together, your Social Security is $4,500. That's great. But if either one of you pass away, we lose the $1,500. So now only Robert's Social Security check is available. That's a big deal. Because you just received a pay cut. But here's the other part. The following year after Robert's passing, your income taxes are now taxed at nearly double, right? I mean, you understand that it's it's almost because you're no longer married filing jointly, you're now single. 
Single is almost double of taxes when the income is the same. So here's what's happening. We're going to lose $1,500 and whatever's left is going to be taxed at a much higher bracket. So we have to protect that, Claire. I would say, let's get a life insurance policy on Robert as well. He might have one at work. Let's just make sure it's a good one. Sometimes they give you kind of these so-so ones at work. And every five years or so, the, the coverage decreases, right? From age 60 to 65, it's less. 65 to 70, it goes down even further. And as soon as you quit, retire, leave your job, that life insurance policy is usually gone. So we just want to double check it. Let's make sure it's the right one. Let's make sure it has long-term care type benefits. And we can withdraw, we can take that old uh, policy that you have and turn it into a new one. We can exchange it. It's called a 1035 exchange. We can upgrade it. But very important, if you are going to find a new policy out there, a new insurance policy, do not cancel your existing one until you are approved. The policy is in hand. You signed all the delivery documents. Okay, here we are. Great. Bye-bye. Make sure you are done, signed, sealed, and delivered, right? Before you cancel the old one. And what I really want you to do is to, to assess your needs. Right. If you are caring for your mom, I, you didn't indicate if she's actually in your house. I don't know if that's the case. It sounds like it might be. Well, she's going to still receive a social security check. If she does, I want you to consider that check as part of her rent. Right. You can use it to, of course, pay for her needs, but you can also use it to to pay for some of your household items. Right. Pay down your home a little faster, uh, pay off some of your bad debt pay off a car or any credit card debt that you guys might have. I don't mean all of it. I want you to save some of it. But if you're caring for your mom, if she's in your home and she's using the utilities and the food, etc., then I, I think it's still honorable and morally uh, okay to use some of her social security check to pay rent, if you will. Okay, I don't see that as a problem. But here's the other part. For everybody out there, Claire included, if your mom or dad were part of the military and they served at least 90 days. There's some rules. This is called the aid and attendance pension. I've brought it up a few times. Aid and attendance pension works like this. If you or your spouse has served at least 90 days in the military with one of those days being during basically an act of war or what what Congress has designated. So that's the Gulf War, Grenada, uh, Desert Storm II, World War uh, to Vietnam, uh, Korean War, and on and on. There's a bunch of dates in there. You'll have to do some research to see if the discharge papers, today those discharge papers are called DD-214. That's the form. DD-214. Those in the military know it. Those that don't have no idea what I said, so disregard. But you can apply for this veteran's pension on behalf of your mom, provided she was married when your dad passed. If Let's say dad was in the military. And dad passed away, but they were married at the time. And she qualifies. She needs two out of six activities of daily living, right? She needs help walking, feeding herself, going to the restroom, preparing meals, uh, getting out of bed. There's, there's six of them. When you cannot do two out of those, two out of six, and your doctor can document it and write it all down, I get it. You can apply for this aid and attendance pension. It could be 1100 a month. I've seen them as high as $1,900 a month. 
And that can be used, Claire, to come into the household to pay for mom's care. And are you ready for this? Whether you use her social security, maybe dad had a pension, whatever it is, but you're helping. I want you to use some of that money to go into your own IRA. Right? As long as your husband is working and has an earned income, Claire, you are eligible to put money into an individual retirement account. And you have to check with your CPA or your tax advisor to see if it makes sense to go into a Roth, R-O-T-H, Roth IRA, or a traditional IRA. But if there are funds coming in from mom, if that aid in attendance pension is coming in, right? She has to qualify and it takes a little while. It's not easy. Here's how you get it done though, everybody. Ready? It's a little secret. You get it done by going through your U.S. congressman and congresswoman's office. Your congressman or congresswoman, their job is to help facilitate this. And they have connections and people, right? Imagine you call the Department of Veteran Affairs. Nobody pays attention to you. Well, I'm calling from Congressman so-and-so's office. Oh, hi. Yes. What can I do for you? It's just called human nature, right? So if dad was in the military at least 90 days, oh, I forgot to tell you, honorable discharge, has to be an honorable discharge, 90 days in the military, with one day being during an act uh, that Congress designates. Now, here's the other part. They could have served in you know, North Carolina or Iowa or Southern California. They could have served anywhere. They didn't have to be in Vietnam or Korea or the Gulf War. They just had to have been in the military. Okay? Honorable discharge, in the military, 90 days, one day during that period of time. It's called a Veterans Aid and Attendance Pension. Now, not everybody in their 80s, 70s, 90s, right? Not everybody's been in the military or their spouse. But there has been enough of you where only about 30% of the people, this is the VA's own statistics, 30% of those that are eligible are, are even receiving the benefits, meaning about 70% of the folks out there that are eligible, ready to, to be qualified, they don't even know about it. They're not applying for it. They're not even you know, doing anything to make it happen. So please, check it out. Claire, if dad or mom is a part of it, then maybe it's a few extra dollars coming in. And I don't want you to be shy about using it to pay for your bills at the house. right? I think you should still save money for mom, of course. But you're taking time out of your work. You don't, you're not receiving social security credits. And also at the same time, I want you to make sure that you are in a position to have money for emergencies. And mom might need to go to a you know, more upgraded facility later on. So just kind of keep some money saved for her. But don't forget about caring for you. Okay? And we can upgrade your life insurance policy. That's the neat part. That's using uh, uh, what's called a indexed universal life most likely, but there's some term insurance plans out there. Depends on what works for you. There's a whole life plan. Give us a call, guys, at 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. And Robert, I'll be reaching out to you guys uh, to set up a time to, to review this. We've already had one talk. I think there's a way to do it to get you some extra extra funds and even for your mom. 888-99-RETIRE. Also, guys, send me an email. I've got another one for you here. This is probably going to be, if the first one didn't, didn't uh, apply to you, this next one will. Uh, today happens to be, I think, just about 90% of America could benefit from these emails. It's 888 888- Nine nine seven three eight four seven triple eight ninety nine retire. All right, we've been talking about a lot of the changes that are happening in the pensions and in the world of uh, social security and benefits. 
the idea for you guys is to make sure you're always setting money aside for emergencies. I like about six months, right? Pick six months of your expenses, food, shelter, clothing. It doesn't have to be every dollar, right? But it has to be the most important parts, insurance, electric bill, your utilities, the things that matter to keep you in your house, six months of that. That's the emergency money I want to have set aside. You can go to a fixed annuity. You can put it into a CD at a bank. You can put it into a savings account. You can ladder it, you know, strategically use a money market account. There are things you can do to get a reasonable interest rate. But remember, if the job of the money is to be available, liquid for emergencies, we can't tie it up for very long. So a five-year CD is not going to make a big difference. You got to really make sure that you're walking through the process of, you know, the purpose of the money determines the place of the money, right? The $20 in your pocket, well, that's for lunch later. So the purpose, the place is your pocket. Purpose lunch, place pocket, right? If the job of the money, if it's retirement money your whole life, the purpose of the money is income. It is not to take out a big chunk and help your brother buy a house. It's not to take out a big chunk from your retirement account and say, oh, I have 800000 It's not 800000 If you say, hi, send me a check for eight hundred, you're going to get about four or 500000 Why? Because you have to pay taxes. Lots of taxes because you just took out a half a million dollars. So the IRS gives you all of those benefits because the plan for those benefits is a monthly income stream. It's why when we come back after the break, I'm going to tell you why wealthy people do certain things with their retirement accounts and the poor and middle class do different things. What the rich teach their kids about money that the poor and middle class do not. It's a Robert Kiyosaki rule. One of my idols. Let me tell you guys, he knows how to make it happen. Air of Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me, higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably, thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Eric Halaby. We're talking about your family's finances. This is the Total Financial Hour. For those of you just joining us, we talk about how to get out of debt, manage money, plan for your retirement, plan for your future, going over different emails that I receive. And and part of the process here for you guys is to kind of figure out, you know, where does this work for me? What's the difference? How do I make sure that it doesn't, uh, the the rules, if you will, that are changing, the inherited rules that are changing, doesn't affect me or, or my kids. Listen, beneficiaries are key because one of the most important things to understand is what the wealthy have done, the affluent, for years, right? Rich people write the rules. Uh, listen, have a seat. Grab both hands on the steering wheel. Ready for this? Rich people write the rules, not poor people. I don't know if that's a shock to you. 
You've heard me say this. Napoleon, he wrote the rules to benefit himself, his friends, and his family. Fidel Castro, Cleopatra, and on and on. The United States of America isn't any different. Rich people wrote the rules to benefit themselves, their friends, and their family. The difference was the rules were only taught in those institutions called universities, colleges, educational places, schools, faraway places. And if you're working in the field or the factory, you couldn't afford to send your child to college. So you would work, you'd work, you'd work. And then you might save for your whole life just to send one person to school. Who, the oldest boy or the oldest girl? Yeah, that's right. The oldest, guess what? Boy. And you would send him to school with your other eight kids working in the field or factory. And you'd sit around and you'd say, all right, wait, Junior has come back. It's been five years. Tell me what you found out. And he would share with you uh, some of the reading he has done, the travel, the languages, the architecture, whatever it is that was his thing. He would share with you those ideas that he has learned from that faraway institution. So it was worth it for you and your family to go into debt. It was worth it for you and your family to take your life savings to help one person move up the ladder in life economically and bring up maybe one or two or five others. That's what happened. And that would continue to happen across the board, right? We would have these public schools. About 120 years ago, the Rockefellers in, in New York are like, well, listen, we need a, a higher educated workforce. That was it. A higher educated workforce. Before, people used to go to you know third grade, eighth grade. That was it. Well, they created this uh, public school institution and they did so so that the, their workers would be, quote, higher educated. You need to know this because it matters a couple of things here. When you do this, then you get to decide what they learn. I, listen, I don't think any one teacher is, is a bad person. I think the whole system is bad because you're no longer allowing teachers to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. Now they have to teach to state standards. And these state standards might be uh, morally reprehensible, but tough luck. You have to teach them, says the state, who's never met your child, who's probably never that director of state of education of whatever, has never come to that school, maybe not even the school district, and yet they're passing these rules on people they never even met, seen, or talked to. Mandates for the educators, mandates for the, the administrators. You need to abolish the national education uh, uh department that we have, the Department of Education, completely abolished the state one as well. The counties, the counties are where the value is because I see that person at the grocery store. I get to vote for that person. I went to school with her son. I mean, you get it? There's a much, much more local connection and they can raise the taxes. Very similar to Texas, right? The reason property taxes are high in Texas is because there isn't any state income tax. Excuse me, they, no, there's no state income tax. So the, the funds are funneled to the educational institutions very simply through the counties. So you want to, your, your child to go to a better school. Well, you're going to pay more for it. That side of the valley, that side of the, of the, the street, your kid gets to go to that school. Well, it's a better school, pay for it. But guess what? Since you pay for it and it's direct and it's monthly, you get to go to the school board meetings. You get to vote for those people or vote them out. Recall them. Ask them questions. How many of you are asking the Department of Education secretary anything? Nothing. They don't care about you. They don't know you exist. So when it comes to beneficiaries, when it comes to, quote, giving money that's to the educated, 
right? You have to realize when rich people made the rules in the United States, it didn't change. They still made the rules, but it applies to everybody. They just didn't have to tell you about them. So rich people make the rules to benefit themselves, their friends, and their family. They apply to everybody in the United States. They didn't have to tell you about them. Oh, wait a second. 25 years ago, this thing called the internet comes along. And you can find out anything about anything. You can find out about how to be wealthy, how to make money in real estate, what's an annuity, what's a life insurance policy, how to trade stocks, how to trade options, and on and on and on. Anything you want about anything that used to be secret, far away, or unattainable is now at your fingertips, right? Hold on. How do I build a nuclear reactor? Let me... Yep. There it is. Oh, wait. Oh, I just said that in French. I mean, you get it? I didn't have to go to four years of French. I just have to speak into my phone in the middle of Paris and take my phone and transfer it over to the other person. I'm surprised they understand it. I mean, you see how that works, right? No longer was the knowledge over there. No longer was the knowledge expensive. So why is it that we're not all kings, queens, and billionaires? Because as long as you can be distracted, as long as you can pass on money to the next generation where it's taxed, as long as you can make dumb decisions with your retirement accounts, as long as you can make dumb decisions with credit cards or flipping your, your car into the next car into the next car, so you keep carrying that debt over. Why? I've done that. Listen, if you can screw up financially, I've probably done it at one time in my life. Why I share this with you is because there's hope on the other side, right? 26 years now, 27 years in the financial business, I can tell you there's a way out. You can actually become successful financially, whatever that looks like to you. You can achieve it. Because how do wealthy people pass on money to the next generation? Ready for this? They use life insurance, Roth IRAs, real estate. They don't use their retirement accounts. Right. They also use stock market accounts, but that are not in the retirement underneath an IRA or a 401k. So they invest in stock bond mutual funds. That growth, that is not impacted by what's called income taxes or taxes to the beneficiary. So for example, if I bought this building and it's a $10 million building today, let's say I bought it for $500,000 and 25 years later I pass away, my kids inherit $10 million. How much tax do they pay on 10 million? Nothing. Zero. Oh, wait a second. Uh, Erev, this poor guy down the street leaves $200,000 to his beneficiaries, to his children. How much do they pay in taxes? About half. You realize you leave $200,000 through your 401k to your children or grandchildren when you pass away and they're going to pay 60, 70, even $100,000 in income tax. I leave a five or $10 million building to my kids. Oh, nothing. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. So get up off your fanny and go to the, the, the state house capitol and protest or the federal government. Go, go protest out in front of the White House. Oh, wait, you don't have time, right? You're busy. Your knees, your ankle, uh, shingles. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, you're playing the game. All of us are playing the game. All of us. It's called the financial game. Two years old, touch money. 102, you touch money. Maybe it's a penny. Maybe it's a debit card. But all of us touch money every single day. 
You're playing the game. Let's learn the rules. So what do I want you to do? Retirement accounts, you cannot afford to go backwards. You cannot lose that money. That's not the way it works. You take risk in money that if there's a loss, you can write it off on your taxes. If rich people write the rules and the rules say, oh, I have a loss in my retirement account and you can't write it off on your taxes, do you think the rich people that make the rules, do you think maybe, just maybe, 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 they didn't put their money in the retirement accounts in the stock market? Maybe they want you to put money in places where they don't put their money. Because otherwise, this is the first time in history that rich people wrote the rules to hurt themselves, their friends, and their family. Or maybe, just maybe, their retirement accounts are not in the market. Right? Maybe that's just the way it is. They want you to push up the prices so my non-retirement accounts go up in value and I get to pay capital gains tax, which is a lot lower than the ordinary income tax that happens in my retirement accounts when I have to pull it out, when it's in the market or not, I still have to pay ordinary income tax, which is much higher, by the way, than capital gains, just saying. And rich people wrote the rules that said, if I hold, hold my stock market accounts for one year and one day, I pay the least amount of taxes, maybe even zero, when I cash it in. So let's play the game properly. You're playing it anyway. Let's play it properly. And beneficiary designation means everything. So what do you do? You make sure you spend your retirement account down to your last penny. That's what I want. I don't want you to stick around and give the government any any extra money, give your kids any extra money that they're going to get hit on taxes. I want you to live, get guaranteed income, live a great life, use life insurance to pass on tax-free to the kids, right? $50 a month can buy, I don't know, 100000 200 That leveraging is huge. $300 a month buys whatever. It's an enormous amount of leverage. And it's tax-free to those kids. Okay, this is from Larry. Here's Larry. Uh, Larry emailed me this week as well. Arif, dear Arif, I have a 401k account at work and it has approximately $350,000. I want to split the beneficiaries between my current wife and my kids from a prior marriage. I have two children that are in their 20s. My HR director, human resources director, is unclear on whether or not I'm allowed to do that or if I'm required to make my wife the sole beneficiary. I also have a revocable living trust. So maybe I should make that the beneficiary. I have an old retirement account from my former job, and that has an additional $500,000. All right, Larry. So that's good news. Good for you. You saved. I like it. You didn't indicate your age, but that's okay. Um, I like it. Okay, here's what we got. So Larry, I like the idea that you have your retirement account set aside with your kids and your wife because... If you put it through the benefit, uh, revocable living trust, you might be stuck having to sell it. They might have to sell it and pay the highest amount of taxes possible. Meaning revocable living trust, if, if the trust is the sole beneficiary, there are different rules for retirement accounts than with husbands, wives, uh, and kids. So let's back it up a little bit. Most companies in most states are going to require that the, that the spouse, the current spouse, sign off on any change of beneficiary requests. Since California is a community property state, they got this, you know, what's yours and my is mine and mine is mine kind of thing, right? 
It's a community property state. It's better to have a person instead of a trust be the beneficiary for these accounts. Now, if the 500000 from your previous job was earned before you were married, in other words, you put money in rather, before you were married, so you weren't using community money, which is your paycheck, to add to it, then you might be able to take that account and leave that completely to your children. And she does not have to sign off on it, right? We want to check with the beneficiaries. We want to check with your, your lawyer, but that's an option. I think that's a real, real interesting option. She may not have to sign off on anything because she wasn't married at the time. Now, however, this current account that you're using family money, her money and your money, remember what yours is mine and mine is mine. And you're using that to set aside in your retirement account each month. Then she might have to sign off on a beneficiary that is not her. Now, I'm going to assume she's okay with that, right? I'm just going to assume she's she doesn't care. She's she's fine because she knew you had two children before, so that's not a secret. But here's where I might come in and change things slightly. Remember, husband and wives have benefits in retirement accounts that children do not have, meaning they can carry it over and make it in their own name. So they can have it before it was his retirement account. He passes away. They can change the name on it because it's a spouse as the beneficiary and it automatically becomes hers and they act as if it was hers for for her whole life. It doesn't change. She gets all the rules, all the benefits, the withdrawals, all the all the features that are nice having it as your account. So what about the house? Now the house, when it goes from parent to child, that is a tax-free transfer. The retirement accounts are not. They're tax-friendlier to a spouse. But the what about the house? So there is a trust that you can have. It's called a life, uh, a real estate life estate trust or a life estate trust that gives you the ability for the spouse to live there for a period of time, a year, two years, five years, for the rest of her life. And then when it's sold, the proceeds go to the kids. Or the kids own it and the new wife has the right to live there for one year after you pass, and then the kids can do with it as they choose. Move into it, sell it, whatever they want to do. And then they get certain benefits along the way. The benefits are very simple. It's a, it's a tax-free step-up in basis. Right, let's say you purchase the house for 300000 When you pass away, it's worth $2 million. The kids get $2 million tax-free. Now, the wife would also, but she's the only one that gets the really cool benefits with the retirement accounts. So that's a trade-off. Maybe in the end, you do the math and you say, new wife, you get all of my 350000 And as I continue to add to it and it continues to grow, you get all of that 100%. And then split the old retirement account, Larry, however you want, whether it's 50-50 with the two kids on one side, right? So they each get 25%. But I want you to think twice about the house. Right, Because that is the one thing, maybe the new wife gets to live in it until she passes away. But for a lot of you guys, you guys are, here's something. You guys are marrying younger ladies and often not American-born ladies, right? I'm seeing it all the time. It's a very unique thing. I've seen two or three in one day that come to my office. We think, wow, did these people, you know, did they all coordinate? So a lot of you do that. There's nothing wrong with it, but just expect that person to probably live a lot longer than you. 
especially if they're healthier living, right? They work out or they eat proper or they, they don't drink or smoke, right? And maybe you do some of those things. So you might end up with a, with a wife who's going to live 20, 30, 40 years after you pass away, depending on your age difference. So having a, a real estate life estate trust where she can live in it for the rest of her life, it's, it's a moot point for the kids probably. The kids are going to be like, great, thanks. You know, we don't get to sell this house for another 35 years. So I would put a time limit. She gets to live there for one year or two years until she gets settled and figure out what she's going to do next and et cetera. And your daughters, your kids, they can take the money, they can sell it. So you might do that. You might split it up that way. That's just an interesting way to look at it. And I would have you sit down with a CPA, more importantly, probably an estate planning attorney, lay out the different beneficiary options. And if you're our client, we go with you to the lawyer or we zoom in depending on where they are or FaceTime, whatever it is. We do that at no cost, right? For, for us, I, I like to be part of those conversations because there's often questions that maybe you don't know the answers to and it's right off the top of our head because it's what we do every day. We're the expert in that world, in that retirement income world, that ability to never run out of money. That's our deal. That's our job. So I don't mind being a part of that conversation. We never charge a fee for it. We never, you know, charge anything. We, we sit there and go with your CPA, go with your attorney and sit down and see what part, what part we can play in making uh, your wishes come true. Consider this also. I want you to have your, your bank accounts. We're going to do a whole show on the beneficiaries coming up because I've got a we're running into a lot of concerns where people are forgetting to put beneficiaries on your bank accounts, savings accounts, credit union accounts. And they're things called TOD, transfer on death. Now they circumvent probate as well, provided you have a TOD on file. The TOD or the transfer on death on, uh, on those accounts act just like a beneficiary, right? You don't want a non-beneficiary on your retirement accounts. You want a human being, right? I don't want just the trust. There's, there's a reason to have the trust, but it's so obscure, right? His kids, her kids, our kids. This is my only asset. I want this money to go here. I want the charity to receive that. So everything has to be sold, washed into the trust and divided up. That is not a very efficient way to do it, but it's sometimes it makes sense for your situation. But what I do want you to do is to think about this for a second. Have on those accounts that are the bank savings CDs that are non-retirement related, have what's called a TOD, transfer on death, or POD, some of them call pay, uh, payable on death. And they are very simple. It's one form, piece of cake. Not a joint owner. I don't want your kids or your spouse to be joint owner if that's not what you want. But I do want them to be a payable on death. Right? There's a difference between joint owner payable on death. And you can do it. There's no cost. The banks do it. It's just part of it. And when you pass away, all they have to do is walk in with a death certificate and their, their ID. And they say, see, I'm Mary Smith. Joe Smith, my dad passed away. Can you uh, transfer it over to my name? Simple enough. Okay, Because it circumvents probate. It's just an it's a, just a administrative transaction, not a legal one. Here's another thing that we have seen. I want you to be very careful about letting somebody be the authorized user in your bank accounts versus a joint owner. I don't like joint owner 
and I'm not even a fan of, of authorized user, but here's what we have found recently. If you put a joint owner on the account, your kids or brother or your parents, and you put them on the account and they have legal issues, they have financial problems, they forgot to pay a, a, a bank uh, credit card debt, they forgot to pay a medical bill, what ends up happening is your account, because they are a joint owner, your account gets seized for their credit recklessness. Your account gets seized because they didn't pay their medical bill. And you end up in a situation where what you thought was your money, maybe it's not. You open it up on one Monday morning and it's gone. And you see that there's a lien on it or it was seized by a judgment on something that that joint owner never told you about. Okay, so now, what, but what about authorized user? Oh, it's only it's only $5,000 error, but it's for my daughter and she's going to school. It's for my son and I want them to be able to take money out. No problem. Okay, you can make them an authorized user. That means they're not required to pay any taxes on the interest. That means they're not legally uh, an owner of that money. They just have the right to use that money and you can change that right at any time. You can cancel them off at, at any time. You can do anything you want, whether you add or take them out at any time. And it's 100% your choice. An authorized user, they can have credit problems. Tough luck. They can't. Nobody can come and take your account because they're not the owner. They are only an authorized user. Now, dangerous with credit cards because they can go in and charge, 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 and you're responsible. Dangerous with the bank account because they can liquidate it all. Hi, I'm an authorized user. Take that account down to zero. Give me all the money. So there is a way to make some big mistakes there and people do it no matter what. Okay, so please be careful. Don't get yourself in a bunch of, in a boatload of trouble by trying to be nice. All of us get there. <laughs> you know, all of us have made these dumb, dumb decisions and, and have gotten in trouble financially because trying to help somebody, right? As they, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of a lot of these dumb sayings because they, they usually deter you from doing some good. But, you know, the, the old saying where no good deed goes unpunished, right? I kind of dislike that. Although sometimes it's appropriate. I know you're going to say, well, that's kind of stinky air if I thought you didn't like it. You're right. I don't like it. But just keep in mind that your your goal, right, your objective in life is to love other people, to make a difference, to, to make the world a better place. That's why when I talk about purpose in retirement, it is becoming so much more important. Your purpose is not to sit around and be a consumer of stuff, whether it's fast food or whether it's your streaming service for your movies on your home. You're not a consumer of stuff. You have to be somebody who makes a difference. Volunteer, teach, stand up for what's right, organize. They're going after the FBI now has now been proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Look, there's, I, I have friends that are individually still amongst them, of course. But as an organization, it's now been proven to be a very corrupt organization. It's sad, right? To see what they did with with Facebook, where they went in and told them to suppress the Hunter Biden story. I, I mean, you saw that. You heard that. To see what the FBI's done when they knew, they knew that the Russia hoax was a, was a hoax, right? And they still came in. So you got to stand up and fight, whatever that looks like. And you can do that 
especially if your retirement accounts have reliable retirement income. And that's what we're about. Thanks for being a part of the show. I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. And better yet, send us an email at arif at tfswealth.com. Have a blessed day, and thanks for being part of the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.